Amen. So, today, we're going to get into the word that I have prepared for you guys. Let's get to it. So, the title of today's message is, Something You Can't Fake. Right? Something You Can't Fake. Now, growing up, there was a saying that I would always hear. And if you're in New York, I guarantee you have heard this saying before. It's fake it till... Fake it till you make it. Everybody knows that saying, right? You go, yo, fake it till you make it. Now, when I was younger, I tried to figure out different ways how to fake it till you make it, right? So, as a young boy, you didn't really have no money. You're a little broke, right? So, you try to fake it till you make it. You might have $20, right? But you put a five over the singles, and the stack look a little bigger. It's only 20 though. You understand? You fake it till you make it. It look like you got a little something in your pocket. You're doing a little something, right? Like, okay, you got some money. Till you get the money, then you, you know you made it. But that's not the point. There's many ways that you can fake it till you make it, right? Whether it be some people, you know, they're not very talented uh, basketball-wise. Uh, you know. <laughs> they're not very talented basketball-wise, and they come on the court, and they look like they could play. Like, you ever been to the park, and you see somebody, they step on the floor, they're like, they got on the right, right sneakers, the right shorts, they got on the sleeve, they stretching, they walking up and down the court like this, looking at you play, you're like, okay. They're like, got next. You're like, okay. Maybe a little strong. Like, all right, this dude might be a problem. Then they get on the court. It's not what it seems, right? <laughs> it's not what it seems. But today we're talking about something you can't fake, right? And that is simply your relationship with God. There are things that you can fake, but one thing that you cannot fake is your relationship with God. It is very, very important. You don't want to do that, right? Now, today we're going to be looking at King Saul. We're going to go through some of his life and some of the moments that stuck out to me that are very impactful, and it goes with this concept, right? So, at this time, before we get into the scripture, I'm just going to give you a little backstory on Saul, right? Um, the people wanted a king, Right? They didn't want God to just tell them what to do anymore. They wanted an actual king, someone there that they could see, like, this is the person to go to. So God is like, all right, fine. Y'all want a king? I will anoint somebody a king, and you'll have that person, right? So at that time, we have the prophet Samuel, right? And prophets back then, it was, it was a little shaky because you didn't know what they were going to tell you. If it was something good, you would thank God. If it was bad, you're like, it's going down. So you get nervous, Right? But Samuel was the prophet that God would use, and Samuel said, okay, God, tell me who this person is, and I'll find them, and I will anoint them as the king. And then we come in to find out Saul, right? So we're going to go with the first scripture. Let's go with 1 Samuel 9, chapters 15 to 17. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people, Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cries has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Right? So now we see Saul coming into play. And previously in that chapter, Saul is walking around and he lost some donkeys, right? And they were trying to find some stuff going on. And the description of Saul is interesting. He said Saul was a very handsome man, right? And he was taller than everyone else that was there. So it's something that stood out in the beginning. I said, okay, this seems like a person that God might use, right? Because the description and everything that was based off. And we continue to go on. 
Let's go to verses 25. We'll go to the end of that chapter. After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready, I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on, the, to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while, so that I may give you a message from God. We can go on. Right there, thank you. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? So at this moment, we get to see Saul going through that process of becoming the king, right? And there's a lot of things that go on through this story as it goes on. Can I get verse 6 and 7 really quickly? The spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Stop there. So we see a transformation happening with Saul at this time. It's not only the looks now and he appears to be good, but now God is transforming him. There's a process that is happening. So there's a drastic change, right? Let me get verse seven, please. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands feel do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. This is very important. We find out now that Saul previously is being transformed, but not only that, God is also with him. And that takes us to our first point today that I want to bring you. And it's not that one. Go, there has to be a heart change, right? The first point today is there has to be a heart change. Now, Saul looked good had the appearance, everything was fine. But we saw something happening in that process. He wasn't only just looking good, but he's being transformed inside, right? We saw them anoint him. We saw them give him all these things, but it was a transformation. There's something that happens inside of us that we have to transform with God, right? It's not always about the head knowledge that you know or how much scripture you can quote, but it's where is your heart? Where is your heart now? How do you build this relationship with God? Right now, if anybody has ever been in love before, it's a simple concept. You like your significant other, right? The beginning, you like them, you find them attractive. But as you start to gain more emotion, you want to do more, right? So the things that you might not have done for someone else, you would do for them. And if you're married, you understand. Say, so you know what? I got to save up. I want to I wanna bless them with something really nice on their birthday or a special vacation or whatever it may be. So you say, I'm going to save up a lot. Boom, and present it, right? It's because your heart is there, right? Once your heart is in something, it's easy for you to do more because you love it, right? And as you continue to love things, you say, I want to do more. So we see that our heart condition is very crucial in how our relationship with God is. The way that we function, the way that we move, if your heart isn't right, what is the motive? What is the purpose of what you're doing? Are you now serving God for the people or are you serving God for your relationship? Are you serving God to get closer? Are you serving God to see what it is that he's trying to show you and trying to build in you? Or is it just for the appearance? Right. So I want to go to verse 10, chapter 10, verse nine. 
and we see another transformation happen in King Saul's life, right? This now, we saw everything happening before the anointing, right, and all this transformation, but there's one crucial part that happens right here. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. He changed his heart. So that means that the desires that he had before are different now. He has a love for whatever it is that God wants him to do. And remember, we saw previously it said God was with him. So now you see a lot of things happening. Not only is Saul being anointed the king, but now you got God behind you, covering you, and your heart is for him. Your heart is for God. That stuck out to me so much because I'm like, you can't fake that. You can't fake it. Many times you can trick people, right? But you can't fake love. It's either there or it's not. And if you want to see what your relationship with, is like with God, see what your heart is like, right? Amen. So Saul's kingdom was an interesting one because his reign was about 42 years, right? And a lot of that time was during battle. So they had to fight a lot, had a lot going on in the kingdom, right? Now, you get instructions in battle, right? You don't just do what you want to do. You're instructed from God to do something. You're supposed to follow through. You're supposed to follow through. But a lot of the times, we don't always follow through, right? We look at these stories, and they're wonderful. But like, that's a great thing that happened in the Bible. But it applies to us, too, right? How many times has God talked to you? And you did not follow through with what he told you to do. You didn't say, I'm going to take what you said and go fully. But you said, eh, this time I can hold back a little bit. This time I'll just reserve a little bit for myself. Right? And we begin to see something happen with Saul's relationship with God at this point. Before, you remember, he got anointed. There was a heart change. God was with him. His desire was to do whatever it was that God told him to do, right? I'm following you, Lord. I'm going to lead the people how you want me to lead them. But somewhere along the line, this relationship starts to shift. Somewhere along the line, instead of it being, God, I'm following what you got for me. So I started to go a little, okay, I got a little room over here. I, I mean, I'm king. I got the power. And that's what happens to us sometimes. We get a little arrogant. We get a little prideful. We get into those spots where it's not, God, I'm fully devoted, but I've been in this walk for a little while. Been serving you for a long time. I know how it goes. I know how to lift my hands to worship. I know how to pray. I know the right time to say hallelujah and sound like I got it. I could be sleeping, not paying attention, but like, up, oh, hit the cord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Boom. You understand? You know these things. Because what happens is you get a little comfortable in your walk, right? You get comfortable in those spots where you're like, you know, I read my Bible about five times. I know this scripture in and out. But what's the motive now? You have to challenge yourself daily, right? It says that we have to pick up our cross daily, daily, die to self. A lot of the times what happens is you get comfortable, you begin to get comfortable. And in that comfort, a lot of different things can happen. A lot of different things can shape your perspective of God now. And instead of how Saul was in the beginning, God is with him. My desire is here. I'm following you. You start to shift.
And that is dangerous ground. Right? Now, the next point that I have for you is this. You have to be obedient to God. You have to be obedient to God. And this thing sounds so simple, but it gets complicated if we're honest. If you're being honest with yourself, you don't always like listening to people, right? I have an issue with that myself. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes people tell me stuff and I got to follow. I'm like, man, I'm not trying to do that. You understand? It's just natural. You have this inside of you. You're like, I don't want to listen. If you see any kids, anybody who's been parents, you have siblings, when they're young, they're not listening to you. They do not pay attention. They'd be like, you'd be like, sit down, play with your toy. No. You're like, oh, all right, that's different. You're like, I don't know where that came from. But like, sit down and eat your food. No. You know no really strong. What's going on here? Right? They don't listen. And we see this trait continue as we get older. Now you have a business. Now you have a boss. Now you're trying to do something, right? And the way that those things benefit is you have to be obedient to the structure that you have. Whether it be you're at work, you got a boss, you have to listen to your boss, right? Because if not, you're going to get fired. You're going to be out of there. It's just it's plain and simple, right? With kids, if they don't listen, they get punished. Bless God, right? They get punished. They go, listen, we got you. Hey, hey, hey. Yes. <laughs> they get punished, right? But coming back to Saul, his obedience to God now begins to waver. It wavers. And I know when we read the Bible, right, you read through the first chapter, you're like, all right, that was a day. Remember, he had a 42-year run. 42 years, right? In that 42-year run, that didn't just happen in one day. It took time. There was moments where he probably said, I'm the king. And then he said, I'm the king. And then it finally hit him. Yo, I run this. I'm like, that's great. But who put you there? Who was the person that put you in charge to run this nation? God. And a lot of the times we may deceive ourselves because we say, I run this. No, God put you there and God can take you out. He put you there and he can take you out of the position that you're in. Humble yourself. But let's get back to the obedience, right? We see the relationship shift a little bit in chapter 13, right? So we're going to go to verse 9 and read to 13. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. So before you go on, remember I told you in his reign, it was a lot of fighting. So he's in battle currently. Your job is to do what you got to do. Come back home. Let's go to 10. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. Now Samuel is the prophet. Don't forget this. Samuel's important in this story because he's the one that God says, if God says, yo, Samuel, tell this message, it happens. So God uses Samuel as the prophet to deliver the message. And whoever Samuel says, that's the person, He's following God's lead, and that's the person, right? Now, as he's in war, you get instructions. Like I said, you don't go out and do whatever you want to do. You got to follow the plan, right? Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. 
What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at that word, I ain't going to butcher it. Let's go to the next one. I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought out the Lord's favor. So stop there. Okay. In the beginning, Saul, God was with him. He was anointed. His heart was for the Lord. So he's following everything that God has for him. He is now in battle sometime later in his king reign, right? And what do we see? I have not sought out the Lord's favor. That doesn't make sense. Why would you not seek God if God has continuously brought you through battles? Why would you not seek God if he's brought you through every moment? And then I related it to myself. I said, how many times have I been in a situation where I did not seek God, where I was not obedient to God's word. The times when I said, I got it on my own. I'm strong enough. I could carry this. This is me. I'm good. Right? But he did not. Oh, yeah. But he did not. <laughs> he did not seek God's favor. Right? In doing this, we start to see the mentality change. Because there's a mindset that comes with this too. Now you're not going off of God's understanding, but your own. They're leaning on your own power, your own will to do whatever you got, right? So he said, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Let's go to 13. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Stop there. We have to be obedient. When it comes to the word of God, it's, it's kind of simple, right? It's complicated because we overcomplicate it. We're the ones that add all these extra things to it that can make it extra, right? The Bible say don't do certain things. You shouldn't do it. Just don't do it, right? But we have that thing in us where we don't want to be obedient. We don't want to follow because sometimes the disobedience can feel good, but the consequence after, are you prepared for it? Are you prepared for what comes when you make this decision, right? Because you can decide to do something, but you cannot decide the outcome. You can't do that. When you make a choice and it happens, whatever outcome happens, you have to eat that and deal with it. That's now on you. You cannot say, well, God, and we've been here before. God, I messed up. And God is gracious, so, he, you know, he holds us down. God, I messed up. Please, please, Lord, please. Right? God is gracious. He'll help us, but the consequence you still got to deal with. If you do something that's that's wild in the community. There's a consequence. There's something that you have to do to live with. God will forgive you, but that consequence is still on you, right? You have to be obedient. Now, we see that he said you did a foolish thing, right? <laughs> you didn't listen to the Lord God's command that he gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. Now, this is the part that stood out to me right here, because this is where we see his kingdom, he got word, it's over. This is it. It's not going to continue as long as you thought it was going to go. It's now done. He didn't tell him the time, but he told you, listen, you're not obedient. You're not following. You're not going to be the leader for long. But this wasn't the first time. There's another time. There was another time. Let's go to chapter 15, verse 1. Ah. Uh, 
it happens, man. It happens, the disobedience, right? He says, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. So before we go on, like I told you, Samuel is very important. He's the prophet. When God give him a message, he does not stray from it. He's going to tell you what it is, even if he doesn't like the message himself. He's going to tell you. So now Saul is waiting for the message. Let's go to verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they were in Wayland. Them as they, they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites. The message is to go into war again and attack the Amalekites, right? And totally destroy all that belongs to them. So his task in there is not just to go to war and do what you got to do in war times, but destroy everything. There should be nothing remaining from these people. <laughs> yes, Steve. Wipe it out, right? Completely. That is your goal. That is your task. That's what you're supposed to do. All right. Do not spear them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. So he's saying whatever is there that belongs to them is no longer. Right. Now let's go to verse seven. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from, like I said, God bless to sure. <laughs> Near the eastern border of Egypt. Right. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Stop. Go back. He took the king, what? Alive. He kept him alive. Was that the job? He kept him alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Okay, so you did a partial job. That's cool. Like in school, you got partial credit. You ain't getting 100. It's, it's, it's okay. Let's go to the next verse, please. But Saul and the army spared Agad and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lambs. All right. So we got an issue here, King. You now are in charge of these people. It's your job to make sure that everything is done. God has appointed you to lead them. Right. That's your job. But what? He keeps the king alive. And now they're looking at the animals because, you know, back then animals are currency. So if you keep these animals, you're you kind of rich. You understand? He's like, all right, cool. I got the calves. I have the lambs, sheep, cattle, and everything else that was good. The good things they kept, right? These they were will, unwillingly to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So they went and destroyed everything that they didn't really... And it's like, all right, that's a small piece. Destroy it. I'm good. <laughs> you understand? But the best things they wanted to keep for themselves. Let's go to verse 10, please. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Now Samuel already got what's going on. And Samuel was like, man, this boy done messed up again. Like you didn't realize that God told you to do the job. The first time you went out there, you did the burnt, burnt offering and you got your own thing going up. You didn't see God. Now this time, instead of doing what he asked you to do, you're keeping some things for yourself. Right? Can we go to verse 13, please? When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instruction. So he felt good. He's like, I did it. I did it, Samuel. I, I did it. It's done. But Samuel said, what then is the, the bleeding of sheep in my ear? 
What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? Go on. Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. So we'll stop there again. In being obedient to God, right? Doesn't mean that you could do a partial job. Nah, you got to do exactly what God says or it does not count, right? It's not going to count because if God tells you to do X and you do half of X, say, God, look, I, I drew a little bit. Nah, do it completely. Do the job. Do the job. And that's what happens to us sometimes. We go and say, you know what, Lord? I did this fully. God is pleased. Think about like offering, right? When, you, when someone presents something in the Bible to God and God says he's pleased with it because they did it correctly, right? But if you do it halfway, it doesn't count. So when you do a job for the Lord and God is telling you something, do it fully. Follow what he's saying to do. If you don't follow it, there is also a consequence that comes with that. And sometimes we don't think about the consequence. We think about the moment. You get caught up in the now. You get caught up in how it feels right, right now. You can have fun now, but what happens after? What happens after? And are you ready to deal with that after? Right? Not a lot of people are. Let's go to verse 17, please. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? So here already, we're getting a little, you can read between the lines, right? When he first started off, he was small in his eyes. He didn't see himself the way he sees himself now, right? But as time went on, he started filling himself a little bit. He started to fill himself a little bit. Okay, the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why do you not obey the Lord? Why do you not pounce on the plunder and do evil things in the Lord? Do evil things in the eyes of the Lord. The question before is, why do you not obey God? That's a question that we can ask ourselves too. Why do we have moments when we don't obey God? What's your reason? Everybody has one. But what is yours? Right? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. But that was not the mission. God told him, take everything out. But he did not do that. Right? Let's go on. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? You remember previously when he was in war, what did he do? Burnt the offering. You remember that, right? The first offense, he burnt the offering. That wasn't the instruction. Then now we see Samuel referencing that again. Does God delight in the burnt offerings or being obedient? What is more valuable to God? Your obedience or the things you do? I think God would rather us listen. All right? But sometimes we want to do our own thing. Amen. To obey is better than sacrifice. 
It is better than sacrifice. You, let me tell you something real quick. You can save a lot of life lessons if you just obey. If you just obey, you can save a lot of time. Now, in my young years on this earth, I, you know, try and get a little money out here sometimes. Try to figure out things. I've lost some money. You got to be honest with yourself. I've lost some money. I'm like, all right. But then I've also lost time. And I looked and I said, which one would I rather lose? Money or time? Money you can get back. You can acquire that back if you can, you know, be wise with the things that you have. But when time is gone, it's done. You cannot go back to when you were 15 years old. That time is over. You cannot go back to when you're 20. That time is over. Right? So the way that you steward your time is important. And if you want to make good use of your time, how about you just obey? It'll be easier for your life. It'll be easier. Sometimes the decisions, they waver because you don't want to do those things, but it's better. Right? Where are we? There we go. Let's go to the next one. And to heed is to is and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Let me get twenty three. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. So we see what rebellion is like, and we see what arrogance is like, and we see these traits now coming in Saul. Now, like I told you, he had a forty two year run, so it didn't happen overnight. These things started to develop, and instead of going to God, he's filling himself. He's filling himself, right? Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. This right here is where we find out Saul knew for sure. Remember, before he said, your reign is over, but didn't give him a time frame. Now he's telling you, you're officially rejected. So guess what's happening? God is going to appoint somebody else. He's going to appoint somebody else, right? And in being obedient to God, I found this out. Sometimes we could get arrogant too, right? And in our arrogance, we feel that nobody can do what we're doing for God. We feel like we're the only ones that could do it until God humble you and knock you down and say, I got other people too, right? But you feel like because it's you, it's just so special. God is blessing you. That is great. But if you don't obey, you think he's going to keep you in that position? He's going to take you out. He wants people that are obedient, people that have a heart for him, people that want to serve him, that want to seek him. So if that begins to shift, guess what happened? A new person is coming. And we see David coming up after this, right? David is the person that's going to become the next king. But let's go to our final point for today. Today, I want you to walk with God for real. To walk with him for real, right? It's not about how you start something, but it's always about how you finish, right? Some people have great starts, and that is wonderful, but then they burn out. Some people start slow, but they can make it to the end. It's not about how you start, but you have to finish. You have to finish the job God has given you. That means that when it comes to your walk, comes to your relationship, every day, you have to complete it every day. There are no days off in the walk. There's no days off. There's no, you know what? I've been saved for about 10 years. Let me get a week of, uh, a week of fun real quick. I'll come back. All right? 
He said, you know, I'm going to take off this week. Lord, I'll be back. I'll be back. Cover me as I go to. <laughs> You're like, what? You understand? No. You have to complete it. Because think about it like this, right? Let's say you've been serving God for a year, two years, whatever your number is, right? And you decide now to take that week or whatever of fun time, leisure time of God, you hold me down, but let me hold me down real quick, right? What if you don't make it out of that week? We don't think about that part. What if that week is the deciding factor of whether you live or you die? What happens then? It's a toss-up, and we'll leave that alone, right? There's a way to trick people. I've learned this. You can trick people. Like, if I want to uh, seem like a very intelligent person, and I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat smart, right? But if you want to seem like very intelligent, you go into a room of people, and you see them, and they're all standing there, and this is all you got to do. I got you. Ready? And then they look at you like, why are you not talking? They're like, that was, okay. The appearance looks like I know everything that's going on. In my mind, I'm like, bro, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm just trying not to sound stupid because if I say the wrong word, they're going to be like, this boy don't even belong in this room. All right? But if you just sit down and you look and you, you give them the, hmm, okay, that, that, right? Hmm. They're like, this man is wise. Yes, invite him back to another one. Right? <laughs> But you can trick people, but you can't trick God. You can't trick God. The thing that happens in our mind is sometimes we could get to that point where we feel like we're tricking God by doing it halfway. You can't be lukewarm. Neither you're hot or you're cold. Pick. Pick. You have to decide. So when you walk, if you want to walk with God for real, decide what you're going to do. Decide whether you're going to be in it 100% or not, it is better. Because a lot of people, they have the, the mindset of they'll do it this way and do it that way. But right now, your ways are unsettled. Get settled. Get grounded. And then God can give you clear direction. A lot of times, the lens is foggy because you're moving left and right. Pick one way. If you pick one way, guess what? You'll get there. Simple. Now, one of the things that I noticed with Saul in the beginning of before he began his reign was that God had anointed him, used Samuel to anoint him, but the presence of God was there. They were praying too. If you read on in the earlier chapter, in chapter 9 towards 10, they started praying and stuff before he actually got the heart change. So you saw Saul reaching out to God. Then the next thing you notice is God was with him. Then you notice his heart was good because his heart changed. If you can't change your heart, if you can't let that thing get touched by God, your walk will never be right. It's a guarantee. Because you can't love the things that God has for you if you don't love God. If you don't love God, it's not happening. It's not. And another thing, too, the arrogant part. The prideful part that happens in us is this. We begin to feel better, as you should, as you accomplish things. You should celebrate yourself, right? But never find your identity in those things. 
Never find your identity in those things that you accomplish. Because now, you started off as a humble person that sought out for God. Your heart was there. Salute. And God is taking you to different places, opening doors for you. Great. Right? But don't let those things now become your identity or take the place of God. Because if it does that, you have a rude awakening coming to you. Right? So today, we had three points. The first thing is, you have to have a heart change. So if you want to get a closer relationship with God this year, and you don't want to fake it, you have to have a heart change. Begin to ask God to touch your heart. Begin to ask God to move in your life. He'll do it. If you seek him with your whole heart, you'll find him. Right? The second thing is this. Obedience. You have to obey God. You have to be obedient to him. If you are not obedient, don't look up and ask God why things are going crazy. When in your own mind, you already you know. A lot of times you already know the answer, but we, you know, be obedient. Be obedient to God. And the final point of today was to walk with God for real. Take everything that you've learned today and begin to apply it, right? Don't look at this story as just a story, but it's an event that actually happened. And it shows how we actually move at times, too. We can have a close relationship with God in the beginning and kind of wander off. Don't let that happen. You begin to equip yourself. Begin to trust God and seek him daily. And really let that heart change. Amen? Amen. This year, I want you to know this. You don't have to fake it. All right? You have the opportunity to really grow. And it's said sometimes you can grow in God. But you can really grow in God. It's not a thing that's far away. You can actually grow and develop in God. Like this year, I started off doing the, um, the Old Testament with my wife, right? And we're reading through all the different chapters and stuff. But as I'm taking my time reading it, I'm finding myself loving the word a little bit more. Because it's like, yo, I get to see the context fully. A lot of times when you read the stories, you're just getting it in pieces. But when you read it fully, you're like, oh, wow, that's kind of dope. You're like, this is what happened? But if you begin to fall in love with God's word... Right? You'll see things different. You begin to fall in love with God. You'll see things different. Your relationship this year does not have to waver. It does not. You don't have to fake it till you make it. It could be real. That's something that you don't have to fake. God wants real. He wants you. He cares about you. He loves you. He's concerned with the things that are going on in your mind. But the only way you can get clear vision is if you have a heart change, you're obedient, and if you walk with God for real. Amen?